Hello, hello. Welcome to POV, You're My Therapist, the podcast where I vent, you listen, and you do not get paid. This week, we have another guest. Her name is Les Alfred, and she is the host and creator of the Balanced Black Girl podcast. All of the socials are in the description box, so make sure you hit that button and you follow her and you follow the Balanced Black Girl, and make sure you check out her podcast. It's a really good one that I personally really enjoy. The second thing that I want to let you guys know is that this episode, I was so sick. I was fighting for my life. I was so ill, okay? Um, I was hopped up on meds, okay? Your girl was going through it. So my voice sounds even more like a toddler than it normally does. So just gonna apologize for that because I was really sick. Like, I don't think I've ever been that sick in my life. So without further ado, here is Les's POV. Today on the podcast, we have Les Alfred. Was that right? Mm -hmm. Okay, Slay. (laughs) Um, Host of the Balanced Black Girl podcast. An extraordinaire social media maven. Amazing person that I met at Podcast Movement earlier this year. Hello, welcome. Hello, my love. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Of course. I'm so excited to have you here. You're somebody that like literally the moment I met you, I was like, this bitch has her shit together. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It's just because I'm older. It seems like it. I don't. And I also thought you were 19 when I met you. <laughs> God I, bless. I straight up thought she was 19 when I met her. And I remember like my sister and I, because I met you with my sister. Yeah. And after meeting you, my sister was like, oh my God, that girl, she's so young, but she has such a good head on her shoulders. <laughs> and I was like, I know, like, what is she like 19? Oh. And then I asked you how old you were and you're like, I'm 34. Yes. And my sister was like, oh, my God, we're the same age. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay, so we got to, like, restructure our lives just a little bit. (laughs) I like listening to your podcast because unlike mine, where most of it is venting, crying, puking, throwing up, sliding down a wall, you're like, okay, so very gently, you're like, here's how you're going to get your life together. (laughs) And here's what you're going to do. I need you to take a pencil and paper. And did you download the chart on my website? Good. (laughs) And then you're like... (laughs) And then you're like, so we're going to go through this and we're going to restructure your life. And I'm like, you know what? I appreciate that. Yeah. I yeah. think you need both. Because I, I absolutely cry, puke, slide down a wall. Yeah. And then I record and I'm like, this is what I learned after I <laughs> you know, cried, puked, and slid down the wall. See, you're better than me because I record right when I'm puking, sliding, crying down the wall. But have you always been that structured? Yes and no. So I started waking up really early in the morning when I was in kind of middle school. Um, and that's just because my house was loud. Like I had a younger brother <laughs> who was – he was just loud. My parents were loud at him. And it was just a lot. And so <laughs> I would just wake up early before they all woke up just to have a peace of mind. I would listen to music quietly. I would do my homework. I would draw. I would write things down. I would just do all my chilling for the day mm-hmm. in the morning before my family woke up because later in the day there was no chill. So it wasn't necessarily the same as the wellnessy stuff, but I got used to kind of waking up early in the morning. And then in my early 20s, I entered the workforce, was mentally unwell because that's what corporate does mm-hmm. to me, which I still, you know, deal with. <laughs> and so I started going into these routines because it was the only thing that could keep me semi well, mm-hmm. even though I have to do all these things that make me feel unwell. Okay. So what does it mean to you to be balanced, like as a black woman? What do I think it means to be balanced? I think the word balance gets 
interpreted in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think when people interpret balance to be equilibrium, like mm -hmm. all things equal, you're giving 100% at work, 100% at home, 100% in your relationships, 100% at the gym or whatever. And they're like, you can't do that. No, you can't. Nobody physically can. That's like math. Uh -huh. But when I think about balance and trying to balance, I think about being on a balance beam. And I mm -hmm. think about, okay, how can I maintain my focus on whatever is the main thing in front of me? And if I stumble or if I trip up a little bit, like what do I need to catch myself before I fall? So maybe that's a wellness tool that helps me catch myself. Maybe that's time with my people that makes me catch myself. Maybe that's travel and a new experience that helps me catch myself. And knowing what my needs are and how to either meet my needs or get help meeting my needs, depending on what they are to stay on the beam is how I personally think of balance. And I think that that can look very different for different people depending on their circumstance. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've seen for a long time is whiteness kind of co-opting the wellness space. Mm -hmm. So when you go to a class or you go to like a new experience that you're the only black person there, how do you get into a space and not automatically feel victimized that you're the only you there? Yeah. As far as the wellness space and what that looks like. I mean, interestingly enough, I was at a yoga class this morning where I was the only black person there. And I think sometimes that experience varies. So I think if I would have been in that experience and I maybe would have experienced like a microaggression or something where the teacher maybe assumed that I hadn't done yoga before, even though I'm like a 200 hour instructor. Oh my God. Um, okay, slight flags. <laughs> Slide flags. Um, which things like that do happen. Then I'll be like, oh, child, no, not for me. Mm. If I can go beyond my mat and mind my business, would I love for there to be more of us there? Yes. And also I'm there to be on my mat mm. and to breathe and to move my body and get my practice in. So maybe that's a cue for me next time to, if I found a space inviting, bring a friend with me so that there's more of us there and mm. bring more people with me into spaces so that there can be more of us there if I have a foot in the door. And that's really how I started Balanced Black Girl was I had been a wellness creator for a while and I was starting to gain momentum and I was starting to get invited to wellness events and to speak on wellness panels and then I'd look out in the audience and like there'd be none of us there and I'm like but I know that we're interested in being well too so what's going on so I started the podcast to introduce my audience to other black women in wellness just to be like hey y'all here's another person you can follow for xyz okay you're interested in learning more about friendships follow Dr. Marissa Franco for example and so I think part of it is creating the spaces that we want to see Continuing to show up to the spaces mm -hmm. and bring one another with us to pull up so that if we are the only, that's a temporary thing. Um, and also like not looking to people who don't care about our well-being, mm -hmm. not asking them to center our well-being because they don't care. Oh, <laughs> the first thing you said that is so just in this conversation, I've realized so many things about myself is I do think that balance is 100% here, 100% there, but mathematically that makes no freaking sense. Right. And the analogy of a balance beam is so smart. And I never thought about it that way, <laughs> that balance is, is keeping on a straight track, is making sure like you're in tune with like your humanity, mm -hmm. one. Because I think falling off the balance beam is literally like losing your mind because it's hard and it's our mental health is so fragile 
And it's so easy to, if you don't save that stumble, you fall on your butt. Mm -hmm. And that can mean drastic things. That can mean a lot of things. So what's your favorite thing in your wellness toolkit that when you feel yourself stumbling on the balance beam, that helps you find your center? Breathing. And it sounds so stupid, but connecting with my breath. Like the other day, I was feeling super anxious. I just was like feeling so anxious. Um, I ended up deciding to go work from a coffee shop just to get out of my apartment for a little bit. And instead of turning on music or like a podcast during my walk, I just turned on a guided meditation Mm -hmm. to listen to while I was walking. And I just was breathing along to it and slowing down my breath and trying to slow down my heart rate. And it helped so much because otherwise I probably would have spiraled and would have been you know, crying, puking, sliding down the wall just from how I was feeling and how activated I was feeling. That's the word I like to use. And it just really helped me deactivate Mm -hmm. myself. And I think that it's the easiest way that we can at least come back to center and be like, okay, what is it that I need in this moment? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because like, I know my, my anxiety used to be really bad. Like, crazy and I also used to be agoraphobic that's Mm. a little fun fact that I like to throw in every once in a while but I remember that there would be times where I'd forget how to breathe Mm -hmm. and sometimes on another side of the spectrum you're so focused on you're hyper focused about your anxiety Mm -hmm. that something as simple as breathing is not on the forefront of your mind at all And you just absolutely, it's easy to spiral. It's so easy to spiral. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I wanted to ask was about this 200-hour um, yoga. <laughs> so yeah. so you're a certified yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so do you do, like, yoga classes? I do not. I don't. No, I never have. So I did my 200-hour yoga teacher training back in 20, I almost said 2001. That would have been, that would have been impressive because I would have been like 11 years old. Right. Uh, And back in 2021, and it was such a great experience. I did it through this organization called The Tree based in LA and they're Mm. all about the intersection of yoga and social justice. Mm. So most of us who were in the training were black and brown. It was all about accessible yoga, culturally competent yoga, trauma-informed yoga, and it was Mm. just a really beautiful experience. But I did it just because I really like yoga and I really wanted to understand the practice and deepen my own practice. I'm not like a teacher. I don't enjoy teaching things. I used to be a fitness instructor and I've just learned that I don't like being a teacher. Um, so I don't I don't know if I see myself teaching. I mean, never say never. But we can we can say never because I get it. I don't I I'm it. not seeing it, but I do enjoy yeah. a good yoga practice. You enjoy like knowing that you have the knowledge. Yes. And also being able to I think that's one thing that I think a lot of people don't get is that you can be good at something and not want to do it all the time mm-hmm. and or monetize it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because over the weekend I was I did make up for mother of the groom at a wedding. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that were like, oh, you should do this as a job. You should. I was like, no. <laughs> I'm like, one, I don't want to be that close to anybody's hot breath. Right. Two, <laughs> I don't like dealing with people. Right. And like, three, I'm going to be rude, literally in your face. <laughs> like, not everything has to be a part of hustle culture. Right. And like, that's another thing that you've talked about on your podcast is how you don't have to 
just because you enjoy something, just mm-hmm. because you do it, doesn't mean it has to be a part of the grind. Right. So as a content creator and as somebody who is entrenched in the wellness space, who this is a form, I don't even want to call it a job because it's something we enjoy doing. How do Sometimes. you? Oh, yeah. That was a lie. I just lied to you guys. <laughs> that was a lie. Yeah. Um, sometimes I hate this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, girl, like last night, I really hated this shit. I was like, I want to go home. I miss my dog so bad. Like, get it. Crazy. I get it, girl. Whew. Set. Thank you for making me really acknowledge my real self. It's <laughs> <laughs> like. Um, so as a content creator, I guess a big part of that is acknowledging when we hate our jobs, but how do you separate the, I think it's two lines. Mm -hmm. One, the line between not everything has to be monetized and also keeping the boundaries of something you love, Mm -hmm. but still having to do it as a job And not because we're on this mic talking about our lives. Yeah. How do you keep a boundary there? Yeah. Something that I've done since the beginning of my content creation journey is there are certain topics that I'm willing to go all in on talking about. And then there's certain topics that I kind of never talk about. And I don't even know if people really notice because I am so open about very specific Mm. things. And then I don't even put other things on the table for people to even really ask about. Sometimes Mm. it still happens. But like, for example, I talk a lot about wellness. I talk a lot about, or I have in the past talked a lot about money, not necessarily like how much money I have, but like managing Mm. money and habits around money. Um, I talk a lot about friendships. I talk a lot about fitness. I talk a lot about my experiences podcasting. And I share very openly about those things. But there are other things that I don't really talk about, usually things related to other people and relationships, mainly because those things are also related to other people. So mm-hmm. putting some of my business out there would also put a lot of other people's business out there. And they didn't sign up for that. They yeah. didn't consent to that. I'm not trying to get their consent every time I want to talk about something. Right. So I just don't talk about it. And that for me has been really, really peaceful and saying, hey, I'm willing to be super open about these things and I'm willing to keep these other things kind of closer mm-hmm. to be just part of my real life for me. And that has been really, really helpful. I also think just seeing it as a formula, like I don't, do I really truly talk about my life that much? No, not really. But I know how to talk just enough so that people think they know a lot. They only know the baby tip of the iceberg, the baby tip. But you present it in such a way that people think they know all about it. And that's fine if they think that. But they don't. (laughs) (laughs) She said, said, if you think you you know me, you don't. (laughs) You know what's so crazy? I learned that lesson the hard way. I learned it the hard way. Because... I at the literally the second podcast episode that I recorded <laughs> that I recorded on camera and like what I'll do is like you do the same thing you cut up the clips and then you post like the most interesting bits whatever I posted like a clip and I was talking about friendships and like one experience that I had in high school about like a friendship mm-hmm. and one of my friends who I went to high school with she called me to tell me the amount of people. And mind you, I was talking about one person. Right. The amount, plural, of people who were on social media cussing me out because they all thought it was about them. Oh, my goodness. 
out of like seven people, one was right. <laughs> <laughs> when I started my podcast, I recorded two episodes back to back and I just posted them and I didn't talk about it. But then the third episode, I was like, oh, I need to, I need to, um, appeal to the tea lovers so i was like telling my whole fucking business mm. never posted it mm. because when i listened back yeah. to it yeah i was like that's crazy <laughs> i was like that's fucking crazy and in a way it's immoral and in a second way it just lacks so many boundaries so i never posted mm-hmm. it and like that and i think that thing was so juicy mm. and so chaotic mm-hmm. That I was like, I can actually never talk about this mm. ever yeah. on this podcast because the way this person would feel so validated mm. in their feelings yeah, and they, there's so many parts that you're like, I'm sure I fucked up too. And my memory is like refusing to remember. <laughs> and it's like, you don't want to go out there and put yourself in a space where people can Air your dirty laundry that at the time you didn't even think was that dirty. Right. And then now you're looking back and you're like, oh, that's crazy. Like, you don't necessarily want to be that person. And a lot of, I see so many podcasters, like, just give the whole thing. And I'm like, how? How do you, like, how do you not feel, like, a shiver down your spine thinking, like, this person might know that I'm talking about them or they're going to call me. They're going to text me. I feel so much fear. I'm like, Oh my God, they're going to show up to my house. Like, yeah. You know, I think about stuff like that too. And I also just think about what do I want to be known for? I don't want to be known for mess. Have I had my fair share of mess? Absolutely. But that's not what I want to be known for. When people think of me, I don't want those stories to be what they think of. Mm -hmm. So, I think a lot about legacy and I think sometimes like those things are juicy and they do go viral and they are hot topics and you can experience a lot of success and a lot of growth from getting people to react to those stories. But for me, that's not what I want to be known for. I want to help people. I want to have a really high quality of life. I want to have a peaceful life. And if other people are interested in having a peaceful life, then I want to help them get their version of that. And for me, if it means that I grow slower, if it means that my clips don't go as viral as the messy stories I'm okay with that because I don't feel the need to monetize my mess. That is such a word because I think a lot of people who are in social media, mm-hmm. they there's a lot of comparison. Mm-hmm. There's so much comparison. And even like when I first met you and I thought you were 19, <laughs> I was like, "How this girl has gone so far and I don't know what she's doing, but I'm not doing something right. And I, you know, do you have those very quick happening thoughts and like you just have to stop yourself and be like, bitch, you don't know nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know anybody's... You could have been a Nepo baby. Your daddy could have been like, Will Smith. <laughs> Manifesting, I even wish. though it's already happened. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I don't know her business. <laughs> I don't know anybody's business. And to sit here and feel even like an ounce of jealousy or judging myself, thinking, what can I do? And I think when you don't catch yourself, mm-hmm. you will post the juicy thing. Mm-hmm. You will post the this is definitely going to go viral clip. Mm -hmm. And the thing you said about legacy is so true because when you do stuff like that, it delegitimizes you in so many ways. Mm -hmm. It is a distraction from who you are and your worth and the actual message of what you're wanting to put across. Whenever there's an influencer that like I love and they go crazy viral super fast, 
I've watched so many downfalls yeah. over the years. It's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. And it's and one thing that I always, whenever I feel like, oh my God, my TikTok's like flopping, whenever I'm like feeling like a flop, one thing I remind myself is that a slow growth means that you are reaching people who want to be reached. Yes. Exponential, crazy popping off where TikTok puts your shit on everybody's for you page. You are on everybody's for you page. Yeah. And that means people who don't want to see you, who don't like you, mm-hmm. who don't want to know you, who don't care that they're being unreasonable. Yeah. They see you, they decide they hate you and mm, it's time for cancellation. Mm-hmm. That's such a true thing is legacy. Mm-hmm. So in the future, like five years from now, I know you want to be Oprah. Me too. We're fighting for that spot. Um, what do you want your legacy to be known as? Honestly, I just want a life that feels good. I want to feel peaceful. I want a high quality of life that just feels easeful and peaceful. And if I can inspire other people to feel easeful and peaceful, that's good enough for me. I don't even feel like I need some big, crazy... I don't need to go viral. I don't need everybody to know who I am. I want to feel good about who I am and how I live. And if I can help other people feel the same way, then that's good enough for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I keep thinking about what you said earlier about not – you talk about things that you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And you don't feel pressured to talk about things that people want you to talk about. And I think you do a really, really good job at being authentic, Mm -hmm. even in that limited space of what personally you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. So in the future, are there, like what are rules that like you're not gonna like share with your audience? Like things that you're like, this is my private life. Nobody's ever gonna know. That's not me being like, give me the tea, give me the exclusive. (laughs) But like just subjects that, Everybody honestly should protect. Um, That's a good question. I mean, something that I don't do a lot of is just like sharing my L's. And I don't even mean that from like a everything has to be curated and it has to look like yeah. I'm doing everything perfectly all the time. It's from the sense of like I don't want to overshare. And I'm also like not interested in people feeling sorry for mm. me. Because I used to overshare online a little bit more and I realized that that actually didn't feel good. Then I just felt like I had a lot of people kind of judging me and judging my experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my my L's are, I hold them, but I don't need to hold them on the internet. <laughs> uh, no, but I think romantic relationships is also something that I just don't really share a lot about. One, because I've never dated someone who is a content creator. Thank God. Um, And the people who I tend to date tend to not be super into social media. So like plastering them all over my page like doesn't really make sense because they wouldn't do that themselves. And it's kind of an invasion of their privacy. But also going back to what I want to be known for, I don't want to be known for who I date. Mm -hmm. I want to be known for who I am. And so I don't see the point in giving you know, some of these dudes airtime when I'm the one who worked to build this platform. It's mine. Period. So. Oh! <laughs> so if you were thinking about getting with my girl Les 
for her social media presence, bitch, you out of luck. You need to go dig elsewhere. You gonna be behind the camera, boo? <laughs> you're, you're gonna, no, you're <laughs> gonna, gonna be taking the pictures, right? You're gonna be an Instagram boyfriend in the worst sense, <laughs> meaning you're the social media manager, babe. Like that's it. No, I mean like, back when I first started creating content, I was I you know had a boyfriend for the first few years of it, and he very much was that person, and he liked it. He didn't want to be in front of the camera. He was super helpful, super funny. encouraging, and so there are some people who like that, who like being yeah. behind the scenes. The which speaking of Europe, how was it? Oh my gosh, so good! I had so much fun. Yeah, I want to go back. Yes. Yeah. What was your favorite part of traveling? Absolutely my week in Paris. I spent yeah. about, well, no, actually I spent about 10 days total, 10 or 11 days total in Paris, which started off as a week. I spent eight days and then I went back later and spent another like three days there. And I just really loved that city really? more than I thought I would. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I know people have mixed reviews, especially Americans have had yes. mixed experiences <laughs> there. Yes. So when I went, I was like, we'll see how this goes. I have no expectations. And I ended up really loving it. Yeah. Where are the cafes what they said it would be? I enjoyed the cafes. Yeah. Yes. I just enjoyed the slower pace. Yeah. I'm a lady of leisure. So I loved. I was going to ask, where are you from? Like, where did you grow up? You grew Seattle. up. Okay. I knew you grew up out West. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I absolutely want to tack you as a Southerner. Really? Because there's something about you that is like slower paced mm -hmm. and like you kind of take things in. And I think that's a uniquely Southern trait <laughs> because like, oh my God, when I'm in New York, everybody's moving so fucking fast. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, shut up with your steps. <laughs> like stop <laughs> pounding the pavement. And like, everybody's always like, go, go, go. And I'm like, no, like we need to take our time. Right. Well, I mean, we talked a bit about Beyonce before recording, but mm -hmm. there is also this, you know, this part in the concert. I think she's doing one of her outfit changes where she basically tells us to chill with the visuals and that a queen moves at her own pace. <laughs> oh, but that's like my period. quote. Period. She said, y'all gonna get it when you get it, to be honest. You gonna get whatever you get whenever I decide you get it. Speaking <laughs> of which, she has a Beyonce shirt on. She came ready to represent. Yes, she did. Yes. H-Town hottie. Queen. <laughs> we love Beyonce. Yeah, we do. We do. Absolutely. I love that lady. I love that lady. And it makes sense that she's a Virgo. Mm -hmm. What's your sign? Leo. Leo. Yeah. Okay. You know what? You don't strike me as a Leo. Really? Tell no. Me more. It, oh! Because <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot, but people it never say Virgo, why. It gives Virgo. And I feel like I need to look at the rest of your chart. Yes. I so, mean, do you want to know? Yes, I, yes, I do. Do I want to know? <laughs> yes, I want to know. So, I, I am a Leo know. sun. Okay. But the rest of my chart is Earth. So, I have a Taurus moon. I have a Capricorn stellium. I have like four placements in Capricorn and two major placements in Virgo. That makes a lot. What's your Mars in? Virgo. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Mine's in Virgo too, mm -hmm. surprisingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because when it comes to work, we're going to get that shit together. Yeah. We're, we might cry yeah. the whole time, yeah. but it's absolutely going to happen. Absolutely. And that, I think you're, you know, I was actually thinking about this the other day because I was thinking about like how to pace out this interview and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, one of the things that somebody introduced me a long time ago to was the fact that, you know, you have, like, the baby version of your sign. Mm. And then you have, like, the middle ground where it's, like, teenage years. And then you have the, what is it called? The It's not developed, but it's, like, the, what is it called? It's when you're fully fleshed out mm -hmm. in your sign. It's, like, the death of the phoenix and then you rise again. Mm -hmm. I think you're there with your Virgo Mars. Mm. Because it's so... Like your habits and your ability to control yourself, number one. 
crazy to be able to do that is so on point Mm -hmm. that like it just makes sense to me that your Mars in Virgo is like at some point killed rebirthed Mm -hmm. and is like I'm back and I'm better and that's why you kind of remind me of Beyonce that is the nicest thing anybody has ever said to me thank you you're welcome (laughs) you're welcome act two which okay not to get off track but I don't know if I believe that she's gonna have two more acts I don't. I mean, again, I think we're going to get what she gives us. I or think maybe so. there will be, but it might be something different than what we think it will be. It may not be a whole nother full album, but maybe it'll be something else. I don't know. Her mind. I, I just, know. I love her. But at the same time, I don't trust her as far as I can throw her. Oh, she trolls us. She absolutely and she does. Loves it. She does. And she doesn't give a damn. No. Because she knows our she world can. revolves around her. Yeah. It's enraging, mm-hmm. just a little. Because I'm like, I pay your bills, but like that's rude. And I'm sorry <laughs> I said that. But like just do another tour really quickly, you know. While you were traveling mm-hmm. and while you were abroad, I was so happy to just see you live your life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like I wasn't really thinking about, you know, like how sometimes people are like, I well, before I even say that, I think a lot of the times when there are things we want to do, mm-hmm. we always see ourselves doing it with a partner. Mm-hmm. And we always see ourselves either like going with our one true love or like a friend or like a sibling, whatever. As we get older, we kind of lose this sense of wanting to do things with people. And one thing that I was really happy you did was like one day on your story, I read something like you said something like, um, stop telling me that you're so happy that I'm not like waiting for a relationship like stop conflating me being alone and having this experience with something about relationships Mm -hmm. but basically I I think a lot of people were messaging you and probably saying like yay go girl I'm so happy you're living your best single life that's what everyone was saying you're so brave you're so brave yeah that's what they were saying they were that's why I turned off my dms oh my god (laughs) (laughs) So they were like, were they just saying like point blank, you're so brave or like, were they writing paragraphs? Cause like that's, a it thing. was a mix. It was everything. It, it was, was a mix what were they of saying? all, I mean, it was all sorts of stuff and it wasn't stuff that people were saying that was like bad per right. se, but it was just a lot of projecting and it was a lot of people who had all different circumstances. Maybe they didn't have someone to do things with and they just like wanted to vent about that or maybe they were partnered and they've never had to do anything alone and they're like oh my god I'd be so scared to do that by myself in a very condescending way and I was just like you know what I'm not really consenting to be the person receiving this so we're gonna back this up and I'm gonna set a boundary and people can find other places to to talk about that because those are valid things yeah but I'm not the person who wants to receive that you're so brave. Mm-hmm. Congrats on living your life. Congrats for existing. You're so... Even though nobody loves you, wow, you still exist. Like, fuck off. Leave me alone. The way, <laughs> the way, block, 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 block. Like, you're so much nicer than me because, like, sometimes I really do tell my followers to fuck off. And I'm like, you need to stop. Like, I know, like, I will have girls write me paragraphs about, like, oh, my God, it makes me so happy that, like, you're embracing your singleness. But I also think there's a fine line of how you say it. Right. Like, there's admiration. really quick. Yes. There's admiration. And there's, I wish I was like this. But, like, just say you wish you were like this. As opposed to 
saying you wish you were like this, but then flipping it and be like, this is why I'm not like that because what you're doing is so scary. And like, you're so like, girl, unpack that alone. Also, are you trying to scare me? Because I, you like, what is, what are you, what is the point of you saying this to me? Right. (laughs) Like there, I think it's, it comes down to the fear of change, Mm -hmm. of doing something different, of in a way, I hate to say it, but you are brave. You're simply brave for leaving your house mm-hmm. and like and going somewhere that you have no family, your friends aren't there, and you are going to be your own support system. And I think that's a, something that takes a long time to get to because I know I had a friend of mine, she very prematurely, I think in her healing journey, mm-hmm. went on her Eat, Pray, Love. Mm. Girl, she was crying yeah. every day because... Yeah. The distance of not being able to be in the embrace mm-hmm. of somebody that's like a rock to you. Yeah. Of really having to be like standing around, I am my support system here. Yeah. That's like a scary thing. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I was also getting, hearing a lot from people saying like, how did it transform you? And I was like, it it didn't really because I'm I've always been my own rock from a very young age. I've never felt like I've had an adequate support system. Like I love my family and there are ways that I'm close to them. But have I really felt adequately like mentally and emotionally supported there? No. Have I felt that from my friendships? And I have a lot of like abandonment issues around friendships and friends. And like, I think people put a lot of, you know, childhood trauma on your parents. I'm like, actually all mine is from flaky friends. (laughs) And so I've always been my own rock. And so I think if you are that kind of person where you've kind of had to be independent and you are your own rock, solo travel is not going to feel that different. Yeah, You're used to doing your own thing. You're just going to be doing your own thing somewhere else. But for someone like your friend, that's where I think that those moments can be really transformative. And maybe there is some like really tough moments there, but that can also be a really beautiful breakthrough. And I think when people who have not had that experience yet do solo travel, that's when they get, you know, the crazy transformative thing happen. So like speaking to you and like what your response there, Mm -hmm. like you come across as like very independent and like in a really beautiful way. Mm -hmm. So do you ever get the fear that you will ever step into like hyper independence or are there things that like you think about, like when you're like laying down in bed at night where like you, are there experiences that like you still have to coax yourself into doing because it means you'll be not so independent where it means you'll have to be like a little bit more vulnerable. Um, I don't worry about being hyper independent and I don't think that I struggle with being vulnerable. I think I have not yet had access to people who I can rely on. I, I don't worry about hyper independence because I welcome the help. Yes. I don't, I don't have anybody around to help me. They exactly. don't. They don't have the tools. They don't have the resources. They don't have the ability. The ability. They don't have the desire. Yeah. So that's what I'm surrounded by. So like I'm comfortable doing my own thing. But shoot, if I met some people who could yeah. <laughs> help me out, alleviate my load, I would give it to them right now. But that's just not available to me right now. I really like that. Your the way you said that. Me too. I love that. I think, and I think I am vulnerable. I think I'm vulnerable a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but. I don't think vulnerability looks the same way for everybody. And so, yeah, I think also welcoming other forms of vulnerability. Like this conversation is vulnerable. Yeah. I was listening to your episode this morning. 
platonic love. The book is called Platonic. Yes. 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 Marissa and Franco. Dr. Marissa Franco. Yes. Dr. Marissa Franco. Yes. She said something so enlightening about relationships between women and men and their friends. Mm -hmm. And she was saying how loneliness is a subjective experience, mm -hmm. how it's also a flight or flight experience yeah. where when you don't have community, it often feels like it's a stress inducer mm -hmm. because we are made to survive yeah. in a pack. Yeah. So when you're alone, it means you're having to obviously like, you know, evolution, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But she was talking about how, you can have a lot of friends mm -hmm. and the love that you experience as a woman in those friendships can sometimes even feel just as fulfilling as romantic love. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that because one of my friends said that to me. Mm -hmm. She said that to me twice mm -hmm. in our friendship. The first time she said it to me, I was 19 and I got pissed off at her because I was like, why would you say that? you have so many boyfriends and I just want one. Like, <laughs> how could you say that to me? And then the second time she said something similar, I was like, that's so true. And like something in my brain like just changed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think about how whenever I go into these dating situations and they don't work out the way I want them to. Mm -hmm. And from the jump, it's stress. Mm -hmm. And then I think about like my friendships that I found later in life because I've had a hard girl. The road of friendship has been hard, yeah. but they've been just as fulfilling as what I imagine like a romantic relationship to feel like. Mm -hmm. And it's been so, and it was so nice to like realize that yeah. and kind of, and accept that loneliness is different mm -hmm. for other people. Yeah. Once you're past college and once you're definitely past high school, and once you even kind of enter a workforce, mm -hmm. people kind of misconstrue entering a workforce as like another extension of college. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to make new relationships. It's so hard to make new friendships. It can be. But I like to think of it from a different perspective. Okay, tell me. Because I think though friendships may not come together as quickly or in, as easily in adulthood as they do when we're kids. I actually think that we can make better friends as adults because we're using something besides just proximity as our connection point. That's true. When we're kids, we're kids with we're friends with whoever's around, who's in our class, yeah. who's on our team, who's in the neighborhood, but are we actually compatible with them? Yeah. Do we actually have the same values? Do we vibe? Not necessarily. They're just around. Versus when you're an adult, you have a little bit more agency over connecting with people who maybe have the same friendship style as you. Because right. I think with a lot of friendship issues, that's the problem. Not even that people are a good friend or a bad friend, but they're incompatible in terms of friendship. What one person needs is not what the other person's able to offer, and we try to force it. But you have agency to seek out people who you maybe have more in common with this version of you and who can maybe provide that that type of friendship that you need. And so it can sometimes be a little bit hairy getting there. But I found that adult friendships for me sometimes can feel a little more fulfilling than some of those prior friendships that were purely based on proximity. Yeah, this is so true because like the amount of like childhood friendships that I had that it was it was another curvature of life mm -hmm. to see how incompatible we were. And like, there was so much grief attached to that because yeah. you've known them for so long, yeah. but everybody turns into their own person. And I think sometimes that acts as an opportunity to accept other people. Absolutely. And other like 
you know, other beliefs, but sometimes it just, it's a stark reminder of how different people can be. How do you go about making friends now? Basically go about it. Like, where do you go to find friends? I would say some of the best ways that I've found friends has been through events, events of things that I was interested in, whether that was some like going to see speakers, going to live podcasts, going to local events related Mm -hmm. to like wellness, because I am a wellness girly, but I'm also very introverted. Like I'm not the most social person. So usually if I'm going to an event, I have a goal to connect with one new person, whether that is just somebody who I have a really good conversation with, maybe we exchange info, and then I'll actually follow up and like make time to meet up with them after. Actually follow up, get coffee, invite them to dinner, invite them to do something and see, almost kind of like a date, see if it can go somewhere from there with friendships. I mean, one of my really good friends who she still lives in Seattle, we met at this event that we both had to go to for work. There was not a lot of melon in there. We were some of the few melanated folks and it was like, hey, hey. And then we hit it off and have been really good friends ever since. And she's been such a blessing and expander in my life just from going to that event and being willing to acknowledge another person there. Wow. You know what's so funny? My second most listened to city is Seattle, Washington. Really? And I, looking at like the data... I really, I was like, I think it's because, like you said, there's not a lot of melanin there. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's like a lot of lonely black girls just like hovering about. The weather, it's like very depressed. I, that's why I had to leave. I was like, I couldn't do it anymore. You're the second person to tell me that, Mm -hmm. that they've left Seattle because of the weather. Yeah. So it's not like a twilight dream. No, it's like that. I mean, the summers are beautiful, but when it's not summer, it's so not it's like that all year round? Like it's dreary? I would say dreary from about October to June. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's yeah. seasonal depression. That's year round depression. Yes. Uh, That's what I experienced. And so then when I moved to California, I was like, oh, I have a personality? Oh who, is, who is this person who's not just sad because I never see the sun. Wow. I don't, I didn't, I didn't know her. I had to get to know her. Oh my God. That's, I don't know how I wouldn't be able to, because like my seasonal depression kicks my ass every year. Yeah. And I just, and that's only, and I live in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So I, seasonal, I really mean like eight weeks. Like it's not even a full season. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm so happy you could join me. Yes. I, you know, I have taken a podcasting hiatus and mm-hmm. I've haven't been recording my show in a while. I've been asked to join shows and I've said no while I was on my break. This is the first thing I said yes to. Um, so it's like a nice little welcome. Welcome back to podcasting. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you for saying yes. Because I know you didn't have to because you love your boundaries. <laughs> Last, if you can tell the girlies where to find your podcast. Yes. So Balanced Black Girl is on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. You can also find me on social media at Balanced Less on Instagram and TikTok. Period. And the podcast will be back when? This fall. So just subscribe now so that when new episodes drop this fall, y'all won't miss them. Yeah. Hit that subscribe button. Expeditiously. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. And wrap. Yay.